run at it shouting. Do as he says, run at it shouting. I think, Molly, we just go for it. And then if there's latecomers, I add them as and when. Is that okay? Yeah, fine. Whatever, whatever works. Well, first of all, thank you so much for, for doing this. I really thank appreciate you. it. A lot of people will know about you already. You, you work for the prestigious 42 mm-hmm. with um, a couple of my friends. Stacey Martin, for one, who done our rehearsed reading of The Dwarfs, if anyone got to see that. She's fantastic. And uh, Kayvan, he's in, God, he's a CV's vast, isn't it? Yeah, he's in what we do in the shadows now on BBC and FX, which is uh, doing, yeah, which doing is well. Which is hilarious. Yeah, it's very funny. So, um, to begin with, I'd just like you to talk about how you got into agency work. How did you become an agent? Um, Sure. So I, unlike a lot of people, I knew what an agent was from a very young age. So my dad is a writer and he he just loves the business. And so he told me since I was like 12 that I should be an agent. So it's really all I was ever going to do. Uh, or when I was growing up and I suppose I don't think I was particularly precocious or anything but I think you know he would talk to me about people's careers and like you know we'd watch people doing different work and I'm not a cinephile I'm not like a kind of I don't I mean I love film and tv but I don't I'm not like obsessed with it in that way um my real kind of passion for agenting comes for from from looking after creative people and I think I benefit because I grew up with my dad, who is a writer and is freelance. So I understand what it's like to be a freelance creative trying to like make a career and to have a successful career. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, actually making a living from your creativity is really hard. Uh, and I've seen what that struggle is like and I've seen it go up and down. So I suppose I have more empathy for it for that reason. Um so I, that's all I was ever going to do. Went to school, went to my careers advisor. I was like, I want to be an agent. And she said, do you mean like 007? And I said, no, I mean like a talent agent. Still didn't really know. Anyway, went to university, did an English degree. And then I thought, actually, no, I'm going to be an academic. Weird, weird. Um, it's like, so I went and worked in an academic institution and after about nine months, I was like, I'm not clever enough to do be an academic and I'll never make a living. And it's really slow. <laughs> I was pretty bored. Um, and I'd done like various bits of work experience. I'd worked at my dad's writer's agency, you know, and I'd worked at Radio 4 and stuff like through friends. Um, and I had a friend working in an agency and she said, oh, there's this job going at this agency called Tavistock Wood, which I'm sure lots of you have heard of. Um, and Tavistock Wood was probably about a year old when I went there. So it was set up by two partners in Harrodwood and Charles Collier. And I was their first kind of permanent assistant, I would say, and the company grew massively in that time. Um, and I had a really incredible experience there because they were only interested in doing the very highest level of work. So the only, you know, it was all about like, his top end you know obviously they look after like Alicia Vikander and Dominic West and Rebecca Ferguson and Charles Dance and you know I was working directly with all these people across like film tv and theatre but when Charles and Ang Harrod weren't there it was only me so I was making relationships with all these like 
all the like top end casting directors and producers. I was really lucky because I just went into a place where I automatically had very good connections because of them. Obviously, I worked very hard. <laughs> um, um, and I was allowed to like start going to drama schools and trying to like build the list and stuff and signed a few people eventually and worked very closely with certain people. Um, um, but I found that I have like a very specific principle about the way that I want to agent, which is like, it has to be with honesty, integrity. It has to be full of kindness. It's about being polite. It's about nurturing and caring and having honest relationships. And it's actually quite hard sometimes to do that. I think there are moments where within the industry, you kind of come up against people who don't behave in that way. Um, and Charles and Angharad are amazing, but I was never going to be like a mini version of them. I'm not like that. So I had to kind of find somewhere new to go. And also to grow, I think you have to like move so people don't always see you as the person who knows where the printer ink is. But because I ran their whole office for years and years. Mm -hmm. So um, my I represent the casting director, Des Hamilton. And he is good friends with Kate Buckley, who is the partner at 42, who runs the talent department. She's head of talent. And he, she was looking for a new talent manager when they just started 42. So again, 42 was probably about a year old when I started there. Um, and I've been there six and a bit years. So I was at Tavistock Wood six and a half years. Now I've been at 42, about six and a bit years. And I just went to Kate and said, you know, this is what I... I want to be an agent, but I only want to do it if I can do it like this. And she was like, that's how we want to run our company. You know, 42 are really, outside of being very ambitious, dynamic people who, you know, the partners are incredible, like running the business and doing their day jobs, but they really care about the core of like looking after their staff. And if you're like good to your staff, your profits and everything will naturally grow because you like everyone's happy and wants to do well. And so everyone is ambitious, but also everyone is really nice there and, um they would just like come here and do it and I just yeah I just got incredibly I mean I feels like I got lucky so I was working then with Stacey and another amazing actress called Hera Hilmar who I'd signed from drama school and Hera became a shooting star at Berlin um, from doing a film in Iceland because she's Icelandic that like had done incredibly well at Toronto and then Stacey had just come off the back of Lars von Trier and was doing other stuff and and then she was made a BAFTA breakthrough Brit and blah, blah, blah. And then like a number of people that I represented started to kind of take off. Um, and so, yeah, I've just kind of grown my list in my career at 42. I absolutely love it. That's an amazing place to work. And I've learned so much being there because we're really inclusive and we all share information all the time. And obviously we are a management production company. So we represent all types of talent. I specifically look after actors and casting directors, but obviously my colleagues represent writers, directors, producers, everything. And I've learned so much. And so I'm so I'm able to do so much. Like I just did a book deal for my client who's hasn't done as much acting, but now is really into flowers. So we've done a book about flowers and I just did a deal for someone to produce a documentary about true crime. So like anything is possible because all of these people are there to kind of help me work out and then obviously day to day I do all the normal actors looking after actors stuff and I have a lot of casting directors I love representing casting directors so 
for yeah, rep. Des Hamilton, Leo Davis and Lizzie Holm, Carmel Cochran, Isabella Rodolphin, um, Gemma Sykes, Alice Purser, Reg Pasca Edgerton, loads of them. Love them. Awesome. That's amazing. And um, so with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, how, how's that, uh, uh, how have you been affected? Are things picking up now? Could you shed some light on the current state of the industry? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, like this is specifically relating to acting and, you know, what I'm doing. Um, it was really bleak, like over all production shut down and, and uh, we weren't really sure what would happen and obviously the theatre industry is just not happening as we all know and that's really really sad and you know that takes away a huge percentage of stuff that I do and my clients do um but you know thankfully productions are up and running again most of the ones that got going first were the ones that either stopped or didn't start or should have started during the pandemic. So it was getting them going. Some of them changed like a lot of, there was some series that Sky was running that were supposed to be 10 eps that ended up at eight. Like obviously budgets have changed. The protocols required to work within COVID are quite complicated and it requires a COVID like person on set who looks after everything. And you have to obviously get tested all these. Anyway, so there's like a lot of stuff that goes with it. So I think, in the future it will affect budgets slightly um but if people are working I guess that's not the end of the world um but I've actually been really lucky I found that I've managed to get quite a few people working during the pandemic more than I would have thought and when I say during I mean after the kind of very serious lockdown when people were allowed to start going on to set again um you know I think people are you know people want to work so many people in our industry are affected and you know there's hundreds of thousands of people who are losing out if we're not working so um yeah I've been very lucky but yeah a lot of people have managed to get something there is stuff out there as my advice like don't mm -hmm. give up and more and more stuff is being made and they're going to be desperate for content like I'm talking to a studio now about like work for next year and like they want to shoot so much stuff here because obviously there's just this backlog of stuff that needs to get made as well mm. so um and there are like tax incentives from the government for productions to start shooting and things like that so encouraging more and more productions to take place great i'm gonna open it up now um again if you'd like to ask molly a question just raise your virtual blue hand um We'll go to Sean first. Hello. Hi. Um, hi. Um, yeah, my question was, a few of us um, are just about to finish drama school. Um, and obviously, it's not quite been what we anticipated with, like, showcase and shows. So, like, today we're filming, like, a showcase reel thing, um, which is, like, a hybrid of what it would have been. Um, as a new person coming into the industry, and we will have material to send to agents and things, what would be your advice to approaching agents and like what are the things you would most like from us to actually show you? Cause it obviously you can't see us in person at the moment. So it's just a bit of a weird time. <laughs> yeah. It's so tough. I feel like desperate for all of you graduating. It's just, yeah, it's bad enough as it is in third year, but like, and the agent signing frenzy thing and all of that is just like stressful enough. But yeah, when we can't physically get to you, it's, it's really tricky. 
all of the stuff is good. The stuff that people are doing, the live streaming, the filming of whatever is hybrid, the like making short films, doing your scenes filmed instead of what you might have done for your, um, you know, I've seen all the different variations of that. And I think they're all brilliant. I think what the drama schools have been doing is really amazing and what you're all doing. Um, in terms of trying to sign with an agent or meeting people, you need to just send your material out in the same way that you would have done before, but with lots of links. We love seeing stuff anyway, and we would probably ask for that eventually. Like we would ask for a self tape or something like that. Um, so if you do have your scenes, that's great. If you were in a position to be able to do, when I say a self tape, I would rather see like, I sometimes find those kind of like staged scenes things kind of like I don't love them <laughs> but like if you actually did a self-tape I like even if it was from something that's already like a tv show that's already passed but if you send it to me as an audition that's kind of interesting as well because we love to be able to see you know that's what I would send my clients for you know and self-taping is such an important skill so all of that is good and then it's just the perseverance you know you've got to write to everyone I would really say it's important to do your research about who you write to you know I don't reply to emails that when people haven't worked out what my name is so if anybody writes like dear agents or dear talent or I don't respond to those people <laughs> um so you need to do your research like look up the company maybe see who else they represent that you like like you know, write to the specific agent. We're all talking all the time. And I know that the other agencies do this. For example, if someone writes to me and, and, I, and I don't necessarily think that, that I'm the right person for them, I would send it around the other representatives in my company. And I know that they do this at other agencies as well. I certainly know they do it at Curtis Brown. Um, and I'm pretty sure they do it other places. Um, so on those bigger ones, obviously it's tricky because you can meet lots of agents from one big agency, but I would still try and be selective. Maybe don't just go blanketly for everyone, but like go for a few maybe in each, in each agency. Um, and if there are like particular actors they represent that you like, maybe reference that in the letter. Um, don't write reams and reams. I think that would be, those would be my top, top bits of advice. Great, thank you very much. Of course. Caroline. Hi Molly, nice Hi. to meet you. You too. I, I have a question and for me it's like I'm just really intrigued to know what is it, what separates your successful clients to others? What is it qualities or what is it that you recognize that you can kind of yeah do you mean like the things that I saw in them when I signed them or whatever when I thought I couldn't like work with them to or do you mean yeah you... that too but also as they're working as you have worked with them um there's you know there's clients that are maybe a lot more successful and there's a certain thing or that they have or they're doing or I I don't I think I very much believe in a kind of like meets like in the world generally, not just within our industry, but I think there are lots of different types of agent and lots of different type of actor. Um, and my actors are all quite similar, not they're all very, but in their, their vibe is kind of similar, if you know what I mean. Um, 
because they're like me and they respond to the same things I do so they want a very personal relationship whereas someone else might want something someone a bit more kind of gruff and a bit more business-like and I'm I'm business-like but I am also interested in your family and the things that affect you and what we can do to take stresses away out of your life to improve things for you and so I guess my actors are they're kind and they're well liked on set and those kind of things I don't know if that makes you more successful there are certainly people I would be more interested in working with I don't like working with people who are difficult um and I think that if you turn up every day and you and you are you know you're punctual and you work hard that gets recognized that's what I do and that's what they do too uh, and I often think that that garners repeat business you know if you are the kind of actor who is like reliable so when you turn up to an audition you know your lines you're on time like you're charming the casting directors get to love you they're just going to bring you in and in like you do get that repeat business because it's reliable if they're like okay I can get 15 people in for this role they're like oh so and so has been suggested or Molly's pushed whoever oh let's definitely get that person in because we know that they're going to do a good job the director's going to be interested in them or like let's definitely get a tape from them they're going to turn in something interesting and you know that could lead to something more so I think that you kind of take your you take your um yeah your kind of standing and stuff with you wherever you go and and I need to know that when I when I work hard to get you in a room that you're going to do that. And when I work hard for you to get that, and then you work hard to get that job that you're going to repeat that on set. I kind of think that those things go hand in hand. Um, Not everybody's like that, but that's for me and my clients. Does that answer your question? Cause it's. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me specifically, cause I, I think I understand what you, what you mean. It was more as well. Like the, I know you have clients, but are there other clients that, that are less successful? And is there something about that that makes that you are working with them to make sure? Or is it just, do you, you mean? mean like, well, I mean, my clients have varying degrees of success. And I think that you have varying degrees of success throughout your whole career. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think it's, you know, you just need to work hard. And we have to get through it together. Right. That's for me. It's like at some point someone's going to be riding high and that's great. I, anybody can handle being in work and doing well. That's easy. Like being out of work, getting a lot of no's, having a whole year of rejections, having your show shut down, getting recast out of something like that stuff is hard. Like your part being cut, like you ending up on the cutting room floor. Like there's a bunch of stuff that can happen, which is really grim. And I think that that doesn't mean you're not successful. That's just part of what it takes to build a career because it's really long and you want it to last a really long time and lots of it is really hard. And so there are just phases, you know, there are just phases where I've worked with people where it's been like two bump amazing years and then just nothing and just being like, oh, what are we going to do? This is horrendous. And then getting something and then it improving and, you know, ebbs and flows or like, come out of drama school land an amazing job and you're like okay I'm ready I'm off and then just nothing happens you know and it's it's a marathon not a sprint it's it's really really hard to be an actor yeah (laughs) Yeah. really really hard it's really hard it's really hard to make a living just from acting 
it's really, really hard. And nobody really tells you that when you're at drama school. You're like, oh, and everybody else around you is like, well, you're on the telly or you're in the theater. So surely you're making loads of money. And you're like, no, I've done four TV. When you get to the point where you've doing four TV jobs a year and you're doing two weeks on these things, you know, you end up like four or five grand or whatever, you know, and it's just, it's really hard. <laughs> so yeah, I think absolutely. it's important to recognize it goes up and down and to, and to find someone to work with who gets that and gets that. You know, sometimes my clients will be like, oh, Molly, I'm getting loads of auditions. And I'm not booking anything. And like, I feel bad. And like, and I'm, like I'm like, okay, like, it's all fine. I've made a commitment to you. Like you're getting the auditions. It's really competitive. Like it'll happen. It'll happen. But it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Harry. Hi, Molly. Lovely to meet you. You too. Just a, a quick one about self-tapes, because obviously in the last year or so, I've noticed a massive increase in first rounds in our self-tapes, aren't they? Yeah, a lot. What your procedure is, if if something comes through, do you send maybe notes back to your client saying, well, okay, maybe maybe tweak that, or mm, do you sort of give notes back, or do you think, you know, what they're doing, I trust them, and what's your process with that? I think it completely varies but yeah I think the clients like to know as well that you're watching and you're engaging in the tape and my uh involvement in that will vary dependent on how right I think that you are for something and that whether my weighing in is going to be useful <laughs> um but I think if there is a circumstance where you can simply do something to them because like self-tapes aren't super easy and lots of people find them hard uh and even just like the technical elements of them like even just the lighting and the background and the sound and the quality like all of that stuff makes a real difference so if you send me something which is like I think what you've done is really good but you know the lighting isn't great whatever I'm probably going to come back to you and be like let's just try and improve this. We want to put our best foot forward. We want to present the best version of what we can possibly do. And I know recently, you know, I had a graduate who did it. It was just a small scene for a film. Um, and I just called him and I was like, I think that you, it feels like it's throwaway because it's just like a couple of lines and it's only a scene, but it's a really good film. And it's, you know, it's with good people. Um, so... You need to invest in it as much as you invested in the tape where you were taping for that lead role. I was like, you were bringing all of the sense of the character to that part. And I know that this is small, but it's equally important. So I think you need to have the sense that that's happening and that your client is giving that much. And it's not easy. And I think, I think one of the things that we sometimes might forget or might go you know unnoticed by casting directors and stuff which I know that actors find really hard as it can be like oh yeah can you just do this self-tape and you just need to send it back by tomorrow morning and it's like six pages long and it's night time and you're like how am I gonna find someone to take you know it gets all a bit perfunctory and a bit like yeah we just need to churn this out so just like and suddenly someone's getting like five self-tapes in a week and you don't know which one to prioritize and which one's important and stuff. I think it's I think it's good to be able to talk to your agent about that and be like, what do I do first and which is most important? And yeah, I think I think it's really important, as you say, especially now that we don't that it's so hard to get in a room 
I mean, it's hard to get in a room now because of COVID anyway and having to do your recalls by Zoom and like that whole process is very weird and like you audition with nothing and, you know, it's tough. So I think we as agents have more responsibility with self-tapes than we've ever had to like at least engage with you and have a dialogue about how we can make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. So, yeah, always, always chat to your people about your self tapes. Great, thank you. No worries. Tom, oh yeah, nice one. Cheers, Charlie. <laughs> hey, Molly, thank you. Hi. Um, so I think I'm just intrigued about, I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall with the conversations that you have with other uh, peers in your industry, casting directors, directors and uh, fellow agents. But I suppose I'm wondering if you can share, when you talk about actors, what's the most frustrating personality trait, the thing that makes you want to shake them and go, can't you be more? Uh, I mean, that's a tough one. Because I know, sorry. You've all got your own traits. The most which, common one, though. Which make you great or not sometimes kind of irritate um you know what I can tell you that agents don't like and this is specifically agents I would say this is not something it's like we don't like being second guessed very much so although I always encourage my clients to be like oh I I heard maybe my friend's taping for this thing you know you know about it because that's good for me that keeps me on my toes we don't like being made to feel like we're not doing our jobs properly. So that can be irritating if people are like second guessing you or double checking stuff. That okay. can be kind of irritating. But in terms of personality traits, like you're all individual people. And like the thing that's interesting about agenting for me is that my job is to work out what makes you creative right because if you are actors I don't know how many of you are actors but you know you have something inside you which is different from me I do not want to go on a stage or in front of a camera or like I don't want to do that at all in any way and mm -hmm. I also understand that the products that you are so I do a job and then you see the result right so my client does well and everyone's like oh molly well done and i'm like thanks <laughs> you know you go on a stage and then everyone's like oh you're good or you're not good so like you are being judged directly on the product which is you that's really hard that's like it's very stressful to be judged like that you're allowed to have personality traits that contribute towards that thing because that's what makes you who you are and that's what makes you creative so yeah I have some clients who are super neurotic and are like really worried and panic about stuff with that's fine because it's part of the process you know and I have ones who also have very high opinions of themselves which I sometimes am like but again it's sort of part of the process like comes with the territory so I think if you didn't have them you wouldn't be who you were and therefore you wouldn't do the thing that you did which is the acting thing so I think it all kind of comes comes hand in hand so I'm not going to say anyone yeah does anything sorry but thank you anyway. <laughs> uh, Natasha hi Molly nice to meet you, you um so 
I was wondering if you've ever found that um, actors struggle to transition from more theatre jobs into more film and TV. And if so, like, if you have any tips on bridging that gap? Uh, yes, definitely. I think that can be a problem. I think it can also be a problem if you do, like, you come out of drama school or whatever, if you have training or not, and you do, like, lots and lots of theatre, and then it gets to this point where TV casting directors are like, oh, they do theatre the whole time. Mm. Uh, and you do actually consciously have to make an effort to, like, and you have to do it the other way too, because theatre will happen the other way. Um, but the way to solve it, and it is not easy, I have a client who is the most fantastic actor, and he just did so much theatre out of drama school. And he came to me and was like, I want to do more screen. And we've had to work so, so hard. You know, it really does start with like the small stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels like an odd transition because you're like, I'm playing these bigger parts on the stage, but it's like really trying to like just get like the foot in the door for the couple of days on stuff here or there. Because like, you know, as I often say on your CV, no one really asks what role you played. It's like, oh, you were in Doc Martin or you were in Grantchester or you were in Death of Paradise or whatever. These are like bread and butter jobs that start people just being like oh yeah no they they do tv like we can elevate from there mm-hmm. um and it just yeah it's just a long game of like smaller stuff to bigger stuff and then eventually being like t- to the casting director oh, I'm not going to do the two lines anymore because I need it to be a bit bigger do you see what yeah. I mean and turning down the smaller stuff and yeah that would okay. it is really I do get that is hard that one um yeah but it is important to just try and do it as much as possible to like, yeah. even if it's small. Yeah, cool. It, and it is totally solvable. Which is yeah, because totally- I'm like interested in both. So it's just what I thought I'd ask. Um, yeah, but it, but I mean, yeah, you, but you can have a really wonderful career across all three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you do just have to be careful about what you're picking and yeah. choosing, basically. But that's, you know, strategic and looking at things and I always like to say it's good to be able to justify every credit on your CV Mm. so you can certainly accept smaller jobs and stuff because that would be the right move to get you to where you want to be next or you know and um, you could accept something because it paid you amazing money but you could accept something small because it was one scene but it was a really good director or it was an incredible actor that you got the chance to work with or it's something that maybe isn't seen as super sexy, like a kind of, you know, casualty hobby city type situation, but that stuff's great. Cause it's like screen work and it gets you moving and like, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, it's, you just have to be smart about your choices. I think. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Nice. Jodie. Hello. <laughs> Lovely to meet you. You too. Um, so my question is regarding casting directors and the ones you represent. Um, I was just wondering what you look for when you're signing a casting director. Do you take them when they're an associate and they have great credits popping up or when they've got a couple more credits along the line? I think, I mean, this is just my, I mean, so basically when I first started, I was working with Charles, my boss represented Des, Reg. Well, Reg was working with Debbie McWilliams then. So it was Debbie McWilliams and Reg and Des. And I just, he just made me do all their deals because he was too busy. And I just really started to enjoy the work. But I also really started to see 
how undervalued casting directors are in the industry. So you could go to anyone and say to them, like, what's your favorite film? And they'll tell you, and they can tell you who directed it and who was in it. They couldn't tell you who cast it. And I started to see how much was expected of them and how important their work was and how little they were being paid and respected for it. So it became like a bit of a kind of passion project of mine. So, you know, people like Isabella and Carmel and Alice and Gemma, and I've also worked with lots of other young women in my field were assistants when I was an assistant. And we have like grown up together. And I will often just be like, do you need help doing your deals? I will help you do them. And um, with Des and Reg, obviously I've just worked with them for so long that it just like, it's part, we're just like, just been years of doing, doing doing that together and you have the same career trajectory and you do the same you have the same growth do you know what I mean like it's yeah it's as enjoyable to watch a person's career grow and change you know with them as it is with my actors and then with Leo and Lissy that one's kind of interesting because they are there's like a standard way of doing everything in our industry which is needs to change kind of thing or is changing and you know when you've been working as a casting director for years and years it's just like this is the system we do this this is how much we get paid then we do this and we do this and we do this and then suddenly like our industry began to change so I guess in two I started in 2008 that's like just before the recession and so and like suddenly like the film industry started to completely change lost all the money and people started making more TV, everything started to shift and change. And these casting directors who had these old systems were a bit like, well, oh, this is new and American studios were coming in to cast stuff from here and they were doing deals. And I just, I worked with them. Um, oh, I represent Dixie Chasse also. It's obviously amazing. And I used to work with Rose Wicksteed a lot anyway. Rose had got a job that she ended up not doing and then Leo and Lissy went on to it. And then I just phoned them every day and was like, I know that your deal isn't good and you you can't ever have a deal again like this. And so mm-hmm. I basically forced them to let me represent them because because it's so important to me that then that people aren't taking the piss out of them, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like so important to me that they're looked after properly and given the respect that they deserve. And yeah, and I just, I really love it. And also it's great for me because it means I'm like, one step ahead of everything that's casting yeah <laughs> obviously good for my actors too and it's obviously great because it means you know I can get people seen for stuff but that isn't why I do it I, <laughs> I genuinely love I really love working with them they're yeah they're great people oh thank you thank you <laughs> hi Hi Molly. Hi. Um, uh, yeah, I had a question about um, where, what sort of leg work do your do you expect or like even your clients to do, uh, well your actors, in terms of um, building relationships with casting directors, producers, directors. Yeah. I mean, you said you don't like feel like you're being second guessed, but where? Yeah, I mean, I understand what you mean. I think I've never minded and I've always thought, you know, obviously it wouldn't be very appropriate for my client to write to a casting director and be like, oh, I hear you're casting X because mm. that is my job. And so, yeah, yeah. 
but I'm I am a big fan of you still being able to write to casting directors and be like I'm in X do you want to come and see it or yeah. if you work on a play keeping the detail or TV show whatever it may be the keeping the details of that director and keeping them informed of other stuff that you're doing and keeping dialogues up with these people because as you say these are your own relationships and it is important that you have these and these are things that could generate further work for you um yeah. you know I always say as well you know you can have the best agent in the world but you need it's your career like in the end yeah. yours and you need to be managing it and mindful of it and you know that's why you would notice if your relationship with your agent wasn't going particularly well or whatever it may be and so I do think all of those things are really important and I do think you build your own relationships and over time you should get those from the work that you do the meetings that you have like all the opportunities you have and if you can build contacts with those people and maintain them I think yeah. that's that's a really good thing to do you should always think of it as working in tandem with your representative if you can it's like if you're in a play I'm going to do my best to invite lots of people to see it but there's no harm in you writing and being like oh hey I'm also doing x you know so yeah I think that yeah I encourage that kind of thing right and can I also ask what do you think is the sort of uh if somebody is do you have a sort of aim? I mean, it's going to depend on the client and where they are in their career, but how how many meetings, tapes per month? I get that because I know what that's like because I would meet someone for representation sometimes and they'll be like, I haven't had an audition for five months. And you're yeah. like, that's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That is not ideal. Like, yeah. no one's going to get working if they don't have auditions, right? If your agent doesn't get you auditions, how can you get a job? Yeah. Right? That's, that's on us. Um, you know, it, it varies, but... And I don't, I don't necessarily want to put a figure on it, but, like, you know, my co- I have another... There's another Molly that works with me at 42, and she's just, like you know if you work hard you can get people meetings like you just can yeah Yeah. there's a lot of stuff casting um I would be unless you're working obviously I would be worried if my clients weren't getting you know if it wasn't like one meeting a week like at least one every other week you know but it depends obviously on the person and the sort of thing they're looking for someone like Kayvan for example I can't just like put him up for everything or like I represent Kane Robinson, Kano, who's in Top Boy. And like, again, I can't just like put him up for everything, you know? So it just very much depends. Whereas like when you're a graduate, I'm just going to be like suggesting you like crazy because obviously the more opportunities you have, the more chances you have, you see? So, and it's not always easy. Sometimes, you know, I represent someone who's like older and been in the industry a long time. And sometimes it's harder to get a turnover for him or like, one of my clients who lives abroad, you know, like my clients that live abroad or like, mm. you know, sometimes you're beholden to the roles that are coming in. So it's like, you know, I represent this amazing guy who's French and, you know, it would be harder for me. I need to find something where he, it's okay that he has a French accent or that, you know, so that's a bit more specific. But if it's like pretty standard casting type, yeah, um, you should be getting, yeah. I mean, you at least want one a month, don't you? But hopefully more than that. But yeah, I'm afraid I'm very much as a belief that like the work is out there. And of course, 
I am lucky because I am in this amazing agency that has access to all this material and these casting directors. And obviously I have access to these projects and I do understand how it works. Like I do understand that there are tears and we're trying to get ourselves up the ladder. Um, but I still believe with like perseverance and hard work, you can do it. Do you know what I mean? It's our job to, yeah. to get on the phone and try and make these opportunities happen. We should be, we should be wanting them. We should be yeah. seeking them, not just waiting for them to come. Because yeah. it's very easy to just go on spotlight and be like, suggest, 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 and then hope for the best. But there is also active work that we do. And if yeah, you yeah, do yeah. active work, you should be able to like get meetings for your clients. Yeah, I can. actually, I personally find it very difficult to represent people if I'm not finding them auditions. So mm. like, if it does happen, that for a long time someone isn't getting the opportunities with me I'll probably have a conversation about whether that's working because yeah. I'm not laid awake at night thinking about so and so making whatever doing a movie I'm thinking about this person who hasn't had an audition for three months who's just had a baby like who needs to make a living like that's yeah. the thing that's making me stressed <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, if, yeah, I'm, yeah. if I'm not doing that that might be that our relationship is not right and therefore there might be someone who could do that better for that person than me yeah sure thank you <laughs> to to why is it um uh to why uh hey molly you right hi perfect um so i was just wondering um obviously when you're sort of trying to find what agencies you want to sort of apply for you look at the actors and what what agents represent them from an agent's point of view do you find that you avoid um, sort of signing actors that look a bit similar or in the same casting brackets, brackets as okay. actors you already represent or if that influences your decision at all or do you just try to focus on the acting? Um, I try and focus on the acting but I mean uh, I never really believed in the whole kind of like if well actually to be fair it's only when, so if I'm in a room with someone and I'm already having a meeting with them and they'll be like do you have other people in my casting bracket I'm like well yes yeah, so like you know what I represent two men who are 28 and they both have brown hair but I would never suggest them for the same part because they're completely different so like because you're all completely different and individual and I don't really believe in that kind of we're the same we look the same we're the same age so we're the same you know um and also you may need very different things in terms of how you make a career you know I can think of two men I signed they look they are the same age they both have dark hair one of them's done loads of theater and is like scrappy and kind of edgy and cool and has to be taken this way through <laughs> his career and the other one is kind of hunky and sort of fits a more American thing and so I got him U.S. rep and then we try and work that way to get his career moving I mean, it's just different. Like they very rarely would go for the same path. I don't know. I find all that stuff really interesting. Like that's the thing that's interesting, I guess. But I think you probably know in your head as an agent what it is that you're looking for. And that often has to do with whether you would say there are holes in your list, right? So for me, for example, because I signed everyone when I was in my early 20s and they were also in their early 20s, all my clients are basically the same age. So there was like one period where I didn't represent anyone over the age of 35. So I'm like, can't, I can't even make suggestions for like hundreds and hundreds of parts, right? So that's an issue for me. I need to go, I need to build my list 
and I need to like find different actors who are going to kind of fit those spots at the same time I now suddenly can't suggest anyone who's 18 either so I need to do that so that's the thing that influences what decisions I would make about who I wanted on my list so that might be something worth thinking about just in terms of you know not necessarily casting bracket but yeah things that they might not have or might need I guess because the more people that we have we can suggest for stuff the more likelihood we have of you know but also you all need to be able to act and we need to like you each other as well (laughs) otherwise it would be a bit rubbish but yeah I'd never sign anyone I didn't get on with and I also obviously wouldn't sign anyone I didn't believe in because it would be a dishonest relationship and I don't think you would enjoy it that much either um never sign with anyone who hasn't seen you act in anything would be my other piece of advice that makes me feel very weird even if it's just a self-tape or whatever like they have to have seen you act in something (laughs) otherwise yeah and just that's always made me feel weird yeah thank you nina hi molly nice to meet you you too Um, I was just wondering, as an older actor, I think I'm fairly realistic that there's maybe not quite so many roles around for somebody of my age, but I just wondered, as an agent um, and as an agency, are you finding that there is now perhaps more work for actors of my age, 55 plus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I definitely think there is. I think that, yeah. And I'm conscious of it because every time a breakdown comes out, as I said, if that's for people of a certain age or a bracket I don't have, I'm like, oh, I don't represent anyone like that. Or someone might write to us and be like, oh, we're casting this, we're looking for this person. And we'd all be like, there's only one, you know, we Mm. probably only have like two men men in their 70s and like two men in their 60s or whatever. And there's, you know, and like, there's a lot more parts for people of those ages um, than we have people okay. to suggest for. So I would say, yes, the work is is definitely out there. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, is it Ifioma? Yeah, it is. Um, hi, Molly. Hi. Um, I just wanted to ask, how do you feel about representing actors that haven't trained formally or gone to drama school or anything like that? Uh, I feel good about that. And I think more and more the traditional methods of kind of drama school agent career, uh, you know, they're, I mean, they're still there and they'll still always be there and that's fine. But we work really hard actually at 42 to to find other places that are looking to um, bring actors up that aren't the kind of traditional methods. You know, we work a lot with Big House, we work with the workshop in Nottingham, like all of those places and the slightly less traditional um, traditional um, training. But like, you never know what can happen. I represent someone who literally wrote me a letter, you know, she was a, she did a journalism degree somewhere and was like, but I want to be an actor, and just sent me, like, her picture, and a self-tape, and I was like, you're really interesting, now she's, like, the lead in a Netflix program, so anything is possible, (laughs) I think that, like, we're all looking for 
like talent and I think more than ever it's like where where is the new place that we can find it and you know on top of that there's this real tradition well not tradition but you know this desire for street casting or casting out of kind of slightly outside of kind of normal traditional um methods you know something like Carmel does a lot and Isabella and Des um and so you know Des will call me all the time being like I've just seen this girl she's amazing like we just got her in for an open call you've got to see it you know and like those things can happen and the casting directors will then want you you know that's the I talked to another guy this year he was a model and then like wanted to cross over and again the casting director he was working with was like we'll find you an agent you know and I often think just on that if you have any relationships with casting directors and you are trying to find an agent or you know you're building relationships with casting directors they're good people to ask because they know all the agents. Like, yeah. I can't give you advice on other agents to sign with because I don't really know that many of them. I know some, but not loads. Casting directors know all of them. So I always think they're a good place if you do have had the opportunity to meet any, to ask them for advice. But um, yeah, I don't think it matters now about the training thing. It's just the opportunity really that you need. But it's hard. I get that. It's hard. You don't have, you're not in the way of it in the same way like you would be at the drama schools. And even then, if you get to be part of like Open Door or whatever, you know, they're putting you in this mm. position where you can be seen by people. Um, so it's harder. But your perseverance thing is key in this job. Like if you want to do it, you're going to have to persevere at every single point. Like if you're at drama school, you need an agent or you're not and you need one or whatever it is you want to do or you need work so you've got to self-generate something or you've got to go where you know it's like it's hard as discussed like it's just <laughs> it's hard <laughs> but if you've got the kind of determination and like gumption to get yourself there you can do it like molly says just really it's hard work and then a little bit of luck is what we all need basically <laughs> thank you always Thank you. Um, just a, a, a quick one, because this is going to be recorded and put in, as a podcast, I think it'd be good if you could touch on um, any tips for young agents or up and coming people like yourself who knew immediately that's what they wanted to do. That um, Do you have any advice? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's not, it's not a dissimilar thing. Like you've got to work your way up from the bottom. And again, it's a marathon and not a sprint. And I was very conscious when I was training that you need to learn how to do everything. Do not think that you are better than any task would be my first bit of advice. Like you, it feels like when you're training to be an agent that you're just basically a glorified PA and travel agent to like 35 to 40 people. And it's totally exhausting and you have to do it all the time and you don't have your own life anymore. And it's like you know but all of those things are so important because I still have to sort all of those things out but I can tell my assistant to do it because I'm teaching her how to do it but the only reason I can do that is because I already did it um and that's how you learn how to talk to people like how to manage clients how to look at how people react to things how to handle difficult situations and like we're learning all the time but one of the advantages is for me and I haven't been doing it that long but pretty long you know is that like I've come across a lot of these like experiences before 
so I have a better idea of how to handle stuff. So I just think, yeah, don't run before you can walk um, would be my, my, my topest tip. Um, and also just like, yeah, hard work, perseverance, determination, putting yourself out there, going to see everything, like go to go and watch stuff, go and look for talent in interesting places. Great. Uh, we just got one, time for one more. So um, I'll go over to Harry. Hi, sorry, it's me again. I've just got a really interesting question um, regarding equity and stuff. About as an I hope it's not really technical because I probably won't know the answer to it. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. It's um how what what's I'm interested in, say if you've got a, a client, say on tour whether that you're not easily accessible to see and and an issue arises, how would you like your client to to deal with that, to go through you or go through equity? Because like I've been chatting to a few friends recently who've had issues and stuff, and it's a big discussion with oh, do I go to an equity debt? Or do I go to my agent who defends my rights? What, what's your opinion? For me, I want my client to come to me always. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. Like, if you have a problem, I need it to come to me. Because if you don't, it's still going to come back to me. Like, eventually, if there's a big problem, I need to know about it. Because I'm the one who's done your deal. I'm the one who knows what's happening. I'm also worried if you're not happy. So... Yeah, and that's it's alien to me because I understand that people represent people in different ways. But if yeah, I always want my client to come to me with any with any issue that they may have. It's much better for me to go to the producer and say this, 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 and this is not okay. You know, I had that recently with a client going on to a job and he was really unhappy about the COVID protocols, and I don't want him to go to the producer and say. I'm really unhappy about the COVID protocols because that makes him feel awkward. Like the reason that we exist as middlemen is to be the person in between. You know, I had this the other day where I'm doing a negotiation for a client and the people I'm negotiating with aren't happy with what I'm asking. And they underhandedly called my client directly and were like, oh, apparently you think this because Molly said blah, blah, blah. And all that does is undermine my client, undermine my relationship with my client and make me really angry because it's not her job to worry about what I'm asking for, for her fee. It's her job to do her job for them. It's not about money. I do all of that. I do the stuff in the middle. You do the job. What complicates things if you can't do your job creatively, because you're having to sort out an issue about your insurance or your fees, or you haven't been paid for six weeks or, you know, that's my job like that's what you take commission for thank you great thank you molly for, for doing that for us it was really insightful and really great and nice. thank you everyone for, for joining as well hope to see you soon awesome. thank you thank awesome. you bye run at it shouting the he says run at it shouting ah.